Thanks for tuning in to Beyond the Bench. This is a podcast for athletic directors, coaches, and leaders, and it's done by three athletic directors from Iowa. I'm Todd Gordon from Greene County in Jefferson, and I'll be joined by Scott Jarvis from Ankeny Centennial and Aaron Stecker from Cedar Rapids Kennedy. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to leave us, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at beyondthebenchgls at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and let's get to today's podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Bench, and you are listening to Season 2, Episode 23 of our season. This is another COVID edition, of course. Here we are. Uh, you know, we're talking via Zoom, but uh, always good to see you guys. Scott, how you doing? Aaron? Good. How you doing? Doing well. Nothing to do this week, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just hanging out. Just hanging out. Yeah. You know, now we... We've kind of been recording all over this, all over the map, as far as calendar-wise and time-wise, and uh, we got to get back into our Sunday night routine now because we got games cranking up again. So you know, next week's going to be a it's going to be a whirlwind next week, fellas. It will be. Yeah. None of us are in game shape, and we're going to jump into yeah, right. fourteen-hour 14 days next week. And whoo, yeah, uh, eighty good nineties and human. Oh, well. well get Make sure you hydrate. Hydrate, hydrate. All of us, <laughs> for sure. Back at it. You're right, Aaron. We talk about the kids being out of shape. The ADs are out of shape, too. Oh, and then some. Uh, <laughs> like I said, we, we think we've been working out, but we, don't, we forget how, what, you know, what those 12, 13, 14-hour days are. Yep. Uh, well, are the like good news is there's no concessions. So there'll be no walking tacos, hot dogs. So... Bring your That's own. Good, uh, bring your own bar. What part of that is the good news again? <laughs> uh, just bring your uh, your power bar, and you'll be good. <laughs> well, hey, let's uh, let's get right into it, Scott. Let's pay a bill. Uh, let's talk a little bit about hometown ticketing. Are you an AD interested in saving time or making your job a little less stressful? Are you looking for ways to improve the fan experience at your games? Well, we suggest you take a good look at hometown ticketing. Hometown Ticketing provides schools with everything needed to offer professional-level online ticketing at absolutely no cost to your school or athletic program. Hometown integrates industry-leading technology directly to your existing school or athletic website. This provides your fans with a simple and easy ticket-buying experience that takes place directly on your website without the need to create an account, remember a password, or download an app. From individual game tickets to customized season pass programs, our friends at Hometown Ticketing can customize an entire ticketing platform for your program, and the best part is it doesn't cost your school or athletic pro- program anything to get started. So check out Hometown Ticketing at www.hometownticketing.com to enroll your school today. That's www.hometownticketing.com. I think people are, too. Boy, they're adding people left and right. I know. Uh, day after day. So give them a call. Uh, set up a informational meeting with them and get to know hometown ticketing. And also thank you to Gipper. 
Uh, you want your athletic program to stand out on social media? Well, now you can using Gipper. Using Gipper, you can create and share professional sports graphics to social media in seconds on any device and without needing design experience. So try Gipper out for free at gogipper.com backslash athletics. That's gogipper.com backslash athletics. And Gipper has now gotten into the podcast arena, and you can listen to them by searching for Standout, and that's hosted by Matthew Glick. And again, thank you to Gipper, great sponsor, and uh, help us all produce great graphics, I know. Uh, also, thank you to Varsity Bound. Varsity Bound HQ, uh, the creation of the COVID screening app that we've been using has been fantastic. Uh, so thank you to Sam and Todd and, and their hard work on that. That's been, a, that's been a great asset and great for us to use uh, going through COVID. And uh, we'll use that for as long as we need to. Well, guys, I am uh, really excited. We're excited to welcome Mark Stevens uh, to the podcast today. Um, you can connect with Mark at his Twitter handle is at Coach M.K. Stevens. And that's Stevens, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S. And uh, that will be in the show notes. Uh, we will get all the show notes and everything posted to our website. And you'll be able to connect with Mark through social media, uh, his website, uh, things like that. But uh, Mark has been married for 30 years. He has four daughters. He has two son-in-laws. He coached sports for 35 years. He's high school wrestling for 20 years, 15 years, uh, youth lacrosse, high school girls golf, youth soccer, and rec volleyball. Pretty diverse uh, resume there. He's a certified John Gordon speaker and trainer. He's a certified leadership coach by the International Coach Federation. And he is U.S. Lacrosse Level 2 trained. And he's also a PCA, Positive Coach Alliance, certified as well. And we're going to get into a lot of leadership talk today. But uh, we just want to welcome Mark to the show today. And thank you for joining us, Mark. Hey guys, it's great to be with you. I super, super respect athletic directors being a high school coach for 20 years and all that you guys go through. Uh, now you're going through um, COVID and and uh, now now you've got to deal with uh, with racism and and working to, together, moving different cultures and also uh, just man. And maybe in Iowa, you guys deal with a little snow. You got to do. You got to work through that and uh, and. Uh, all kinds of cancellations. So uh, I appreciate you guys as a, as a high school coach, I always uh, made sure I tried to have a great relationship with the athletic director. And the second person I had a great relationship with was the custodian. Absolutely. Because they had the, number one. Custodian yeah, number, number one. one. AD they number had, two. <laughs> they had keys to everything. And yeah. if they weren't happy, they'd let the athletic director know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Two people you don't make mad, the custodians and the secretaries. Yes. So take care of them. You're right. Well, Mark, uh, you know, we read a little bit of your bio there and kind of what you do now, but uh, take us through a little bit of that journey that you've been on uh, to where you are today and, and maybe just what you've learned along the way uh, on some of those steps that you've taken. Yeah. And let me just also say you can reach me uh, at my website, coachmarkstevens.com, coachmarkstevens.com. People can connect with with me that way too. Um, 
wow, you know, when I, I, I went to college to, I went to college to, to wrestle after being on a two-time state championship team. And I went to Salisbury University, which is a D3 school here in Maryland. Um, and they were second in the nation before I got there. And I went there to wrestle. And within two weeks, I realized that these guys just as soon break me in half as much as anything else. And uh, very humbling. And uh, two weeks into it, I remember calling my dad. Of course, the phone was against the wall at that time. The payphone down in the lobby called my dad saying, Dad, it's over. And he's like, is it really? And I said, yeah, it's over. And I said, someday I want to be a coach. And I graduated from college. And my first coaching job was at Model School for the Deaf in Washington, D.C., um, where Gallaudet University is. It's the only liberal arts college in the world for deaf people. So I had to learn another language and how to coach my very first job and had some incredible experiences driving to South Carolina coaching uh, against South Carolina School for the Deaf and Blind. If you've seen deaf kids, a deaf and blind kid wrestle, and deaf kids wrestling blind kids, boy, the referees were working overtime on that one right there, keeping everybody together. But that began my coaching journey, and I got the opportunity to coach the deaf uh, national team. We went to Russia and coached there and and uh, and uh, coached at my high school, Auburn Monitor, for many years and coached high school wrestling um, 20 years. And um, I like to say God and his infinite wisdom, great sense of humor, gave me four daughters, none of which were wrestlers. So uh, back then, you know, girls really didn't wrestle at all. Now it's totally different. I know you guys out in Iowa had a state championship for girls wrestling and uh, kudos to people around the, the country that are really making that, making that happen. Um, so I loved coaching, coached along the way um, and learned a lot uh, through, through coaching. And, and as you know, you just develop a lot of great relationships and a great camaraderie of uh, people who coach. So, you know, currently uh, my wife and I are, I like to use the term open nesters. Some people say empty nesters. I say open nest. I'm hoping they, they fly back and uh, um, I've lived my life as a, you know, I got four daughters, one wife and a female dog. So I have been a minority in a sorority for a long time and lost my man card many years ago. Um, I, you know, I watched The Bachelor and everything else, like all the girls. Um, but now I got two son-in-laws, and uh, I enjoy hanging out with them and uh, getting real with some guys. That's great. Great. You know, okay. one, of the th- one of the things – go ahead, Aaron. Uh, you brought it up. So I got to know – not that I watched it. I'm going to say right now I didn't watch it. But, you know, Bachelor's now running like the, the best of Bachelor. So did you get caught up in that again last night, Mark, or – I, I see my wife is out of town, so I'm on my own. So now, now I'm watching a series called Alone. Have you heard of Alone? Uh-uh. No, uh, it's on the History Channel. So they drop 10 people off all alone, not like Survivor where there's a camera crew. You bring your own camera. You're all alone on an island in Vancouver, British Columbia, where there's 7,000 bears, 1,000 wolves, and 1,000 cougars, and you're all alone. Now, that's a man's thing. You know, my kids ain't in, my girls ain't into that. Men like that. I'm like trying to, how's this guy doing? This man, he's got his knife out and everything. Anyways, I, I'm getting that's my man card back. You're earning it back. Huh? On the History Channel? Yeah, alone. You got to watch it. I'm hooked. Right. We'll give that a plug. Well, 
Mark, one of the things that, uh, as I, I was learning a little bit more about you, I came across an article you wrote about five books that you read recently. Yeah. Um, and one of them caught my eye because I'm a moment guy. I just, I like thinking about being in the moment, being present. I think that's important for us to do every day as ADs that, you know, we get going, that when somebody walks into our office, we got to be there. We've got to be in that moment. And one of the books that you read was called The Power of Moments by Chip Heath and Dan Heath. Mm-hmm. Can you just briefly describe why that book made your list and what you learned from it most of all? Yeah, what a great, great book. I think there's kind of two kind of moments, okay? There's the moments that are planned, and then there's the moments that are kind of unplanned or we can, we can, we can create a moment, okay? Here's the deal all of our seniors, they miss that moment. They miss the moment of walking across the stage. They miss the moment of their, the spring sports of their senior year. And these are huge moments. So parents have scrambled, ADs have scrambled, everybody's scrambled to how do I make this moment, you know? And so we got yard signs put up and we got a bunch of, my daughter was a senior in, in college and she missed her moment. Uh, to walk across the stage, but her school did a drive-by. She literally drove by the school, had a mask on, they called her name, and we celebrated that. So people got really creative with the moment this year and celebrating um, the moment from Zoom graduations and these kind of things. So there's there's these moments, and there we need to – we need to look for the moments as a coach, as an athletic director, we need to look for these moments. Um, and so th- there's a moment that can happen at the parents meeting. If you look at your parents meeting as a moment, um, you're going to do it a little bit differently. So thinking about your parent meeting as a moment, of course, you know, for me as a wrestler, I'll never forget the moment of my last match my last match the when it was over and I lost and in overtime at the States it's over and that's a moment how can a coach lean into that moment because he knows that moment's getting ready to happen um and the seat you know the, the 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 season ending banquet obviously that's a formal moment we have our banquet we celebrate how can we make that moment better and creative and fun and not boring? Okay. And how do we embrace those things? So on a personal level, my oldest daughter, she just became debt free. Okay. From her college loans. That's a moment as a dad. I want to celebrate that moment. She's worked hard. She's sacrificed. And I sent her and her husband a $200 gift certificate to the steakhouse celebrate the moment, you know? And my, um, my daughter's boyfriend went to his first day on the job. Celebrate that moment. So for you guys as athletic directors, when you hire a new coach, he walks into your office, that's a moment, right? That's a moment. And what do we normally do? Hey, fill out all this paperwork and do all this and do all that. And here's the rules and the regulations. Now that moment just went in the tank. How do you make that first day on the job um, a moment, you know? What coaches want the gear, right? So what's the gear we're going to get? And how can you as a coach bless the family, bless the staff? And 
turn that first day for an athlete, for a coach, turn that into a great moment, unforgettable. I'm so happy on the staff. This is what happened in that moment. That's why I love the book. That's great. I'm going to pick that up. That just reminded me, you saying that about that moment. Um, we've got an AD, he's in my conference, Todd Coy, and he said something. What he does for his coaches, they're first to win, he gets the game ball. And he Great. celebrates that moment. He gets the game ball, he, he writes it on, and he gives it to the coach. I'd never thought of that. Yeah. Great idea. And uh, so, again, just celebrate those moments. I love that. I love the thought of that. And uh, it, it just it kind of reminds me that we're taking servant leadership to another degree. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Todd, what it, what, what the book also did for me is if you, you got your minds are churning right now. I see you guys, your minds are churning. You're writing down notes right now, because if you begin to think in moments, then you realize, wow, this is, this is a moment. This we're losing an assistant coach but this is a moment for them. They got the head coaching job that they wanted to. How do you celebrate that as an AD, that somebody's gone from assistant to head coach outside of your school, right? Because we know sometimes they come back, right? But celebrate it. That's a moment for them. And you start to think in moments, then your coaches will begin to think in moments, okay? Getting the game ball for the senior that scored the most goals or set the record. Some of those are we know those moments are going to happen, but what are the other moments and how do we celebrate it? How do we include others in the moment to make it a great moment? Fantastic. Love it. Yeah. Really, uh, I really appreciate that, Mark, because I think what we, and we've had that conversation here on the, on the show is as ADs that, uh, you know, the organizational mundane dot in the I's crossing the T's of running and managing events oftentimes gets in the way of, um, thinking intentionally about what what are the moments that are going to happen tonight or this week or this month with, within our programs and, and are we going to celebrate those or make them remarkable or just let them pass by because we're worried about officials and buses and, and things like that. So great stuff. I appreciate that uh, that mindset there. Um, you mentioned in, in the intro there you're a, you're a John Gordon trained uh, you know, workshop leader and, and, and such and, and big believer in his power of positive leadership and that model. So we're going to spend some time just talking through that model with you and our questions are kind of framed around that. Uh, as Todd mentioned, we want to spend a lot of time on just leadership development. So first question to throw at you uh, wrapped around that mark is that we're all wanting to develop ourselves personally, uh, as well as those that we are charged with leading uh, to, into becoming more influential, more impactful leaders. And, and that's not going to be any more important than, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be as important as ever as we move forward, however we get starting, um, whether that's us in Iowa starting here next week with games to, to what next fall looks like, um, well, from a health standpoint and a culture standpoint. So to become more influential, more impactful. So how can the, the positive leadership model that you're so passionate about help us to uh, guide us, become better at what we do in the areas of leadership? Yeah. So obviously a buzzword and maybe even overused sometimes right now is culture, right? So the, the, the positive leader is going to develop that positive uh, culture that we all want uh, as athletic directors for sure that's that's what you want yeah we're looking at wins and losses and the banners hanging up but at the end of the day you know if you don't have the talent you might not get all those banners but we want every um, every athlete every parent every fan to have a 
um, have a positive experience. And so the power of positive leadership really dives into culture. Okay. So culture, uh, what is your culture and what are the expectations that you have that drive behaviors that drive habits? Okay. So we talk a lot about that to say, Hey, we want this kind of culture. Well, how do you know what your culture is? You have to look at the habits that are, that are going on and let's take the, the moments. Hey, our athletic department has a culture of really recognizing these moments, the power and the power of the moments. That's going to be a value of our, of our um, athletic departments. So that's one thing that I think it really believe, brings in. The other thing that I think it brings in that I, that I love is the, the, the power positive leadership model brings in a tool set. A, a, a set of terminology and a tool set that a coach and an athletic director can go back to time and time again to say, you remember when we studied about vision, okay? And you need a microscope and a telescope, okay? The, micros- uh, the, the telescope is your North Star. This is where we're going with our program. And the, the microscope is, is getting down and looking at the details. And when we look in the details of this, we're not seeing um, the the values that we have here in our program and what our school really stands for and what our athletic department stands for. So I think it really brings together a toolbox. So one of the tools is the coffee bean. Maybe you've read the book um, and uh, Damien West has been out. So, you know, is is your uh, coach and are your athletes, are they, are they a carrot? Uh, or are they an egg or are they a, a coffee bean? A carrot gets soft when you put it in hot water. The, the egg gets hard and the coffee bean is somebody who transforms that whole environment. And as an athletic director, you know that there's certain coaches that you've hired that literally are transforming all the other coaches because they're a coffee bean. They're an influencer, peer-to-peer uh, there's one thing when the athletic director says it as a supervisor and the boss, but it's another thing when it comes from a peer, peer-to-peer level, and you want those coffee bean coaches that are transforming the whole athletic department to um, coming up with new ideas to really make an impact. So those are the, the terminology and these illustrations are something to go back to uh, when there's a struggle with the athletic director says, hey, can, are, right now, are, are we implement? Are you? Are we being a carrot, uh, 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 an egg, or a coffee bean? What What are you being right now? As we're having this conversation behind closed doors, that's what I love about the power of positive leadership. Hey, Mark, the, the three steps into the steps for positive leadership is creating and sharing a, a positive vision. Um, what do you think makes up a good and clear vision? Is it better to have an established by the leader alone or a core group of coaches? or discussion with all coaches to create that team or department vision? Yeah, I think the vision needs to be something simple and repeatable, okay, that people can think of simple and repeatable. So the high school that I'm involved in, our our, uh, vision is one team, one Urbana. One team, one Urbana. Too many times coaches are like, hey, no, it's all about me. If we're one team, then when we got to share the field, when we got to adjust the practice times, then one team says, hey, we're going to be selfless. We're one team. Mm -hmm. It's not me or you. It's we're on one team. So it's okay that you get the turf and I get the grass 
or it's it shifts that it shifts that mindset. So mm-hmm. something simple, one team, one or one or um, one Urbana, and uh, and sometimes <clears throat> John Gordon wrote a book with uh, two of my uh, FCA friends, Dan Britton and Jimmy Page, called One Word. Okay, you can go to the website, get One Word. Have you are you guys familiar with that at all? Yeah. Yeah, yes, we, actually did, we actually did a show on that earlier in the year. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah. good. Were one of them, were they the speakers? No, Who's we it? just, it was just us. Okay, okay. So uh, I'm sure Dan or Jimmy would love to be on, you know, back when you get to December and people think about, you know, for the year or maybe for you guys in August when they think going forward. So one word just keeps it simple, right? That could be your vision um, for the year. And we've seen, you know, each athlete, Figure out what their what their one word is for the year. It's a great team exercise. I do it with my family um, every December. It was we go into January. What's your one word? And then we paint our one word and we put it up on the wall. And as a parent, you get to know the heart of your kid, right? As a coach, you get to know the heart of your athlete. As an athletic director, you get to know the heart of your coaches. So you can do it in all these levels or or, or forms, but needs to be easy, simple, uh, memorable. If you're doing one for the athletic department, yeah, I think you want to include uh, the coaches involved in it. All the coaches probably get too wieldy, but maybe you have a coaches council and you pick three or four, and an athlete council, you pick three or four, and those six to seven, eight, nine people get together with you as an athletic director and say, what is going to be our vision for and in this case in Urbana, this is the vision that's going for one team, one Urbana. If uh, maybe, but you have a vision or one word for the year. And so in the summer, you're figuring out what is the word for this year. And that's what you're going to, every banner, every saying, every email is signed with that one word. Um, and your vision, of course, is personal. People need a personal vision. And then people need the, the corporate vision. Thank you. Yeah. So, Mark, a couple arrows later in the uh, model, it's kind of where the rubber meets the road, I think. Uh, The positive leader must, quote, confront, transform, and remove negativity. In other words, the honeymoon's over, Mm. and now you have to take a stand for that vision that is in place. It's being challenged. So what tips do you have for our listeners who have to do that. Yeah. Part of the challenge in, um, in confronting and transforming uh, and maybe even removing negativity is people don't have their, their values. They don't have clear values of what they stand for, and therefore it's unclear to the, the person. They can't point to, hey, you're not living by this value that we, we have. Yes, they're a negative person, but, but it, it we need to be able to go back to our values and what we stand for to know that this is, this is, this is off base. We're not going to grab a kid's face mask. We're not going to hit a kid. We're not going to, you know, those are all actions and behaviors that are wrong, but how are they reflected in our, in our values? And I'm sure that those extreme examples I gave, um, still, uh, still are there. So number one is you got to have some one, one tip is to have some firm, clear, values. And those come from your vision statement. So let's have a vision statement. Let's have um, some values that you, that you lay out. Um, 
and you've got to be willing to, um, you've got to be willing to confront. And, you know, sometimes like, Hey, you've got to put on your big boy pants. You got to put on your big girl pants. <laughs> and it's not what anybody wants to do. Uh, but it's what you have to do. Okay. And here's the challenge for you. And I see this in business as I, as I train uh, businesses in the power of positive leaderships. And, and, and I just, I just got off the phone uh, with uh, coaching a couple executive leaders. And I said, what's your pain point? And their pain point was a person. And I might ask you as an athletic director, what's your pain point? Well, now we've got COVID and all these other things in scheduling. Uh, but you probably think of a coach. That's a, that's a pain point for you. Okay. Patrick Leonsi wrote a book. I don't know if you follow him. He's a great business leader called the ideal team player. And the ideal team player is somebody who's humble, hungry, and smart. Okay. Don't you want all of your coaches to be humble, hungry, and smart? Those are your favorite coaches. Okay. And he has interview questions that you could use um, as you're interviewing people of people who are humble, hungry, and smart. Patrick Leonsi also describes people who are like a piece of those, okay? The piece of those that is most dangerous for you to hire is somebody, and this is in the work environment, I've seen this personally as I've had 45 people on my team at one time, the person who's hungry, go-getter, getting after it, giving it the extra stuff, People who, somebody who's smart, not smart because they went to Princeton or Harvard, smart because they know how to relate to people, okay? They relate to people really well. The person who is, gets after it and is smart but not humble is your most dangerous coach. Think about it. Your most dangerous coach. Why? They're hungry and they're smart. They get after it. They are probably oh, yeah. in the work environment – they are your number one or number two employees. They might be your best coach in, uh, in your department, but they are driving you absolutely nuts because they're not humble. They won't take your coaching. They won't modify. They won't do it your way. They won't increase, but you're stuck, right? Because a lot of people love them because they have a lot of success and so you write, you figured out how to navigate it in your own heart, in your own way. And there's, there's no way you're, you're very reluctant to confront and maybe probably never going to remove them because they're winners. Mm -hmm. They're winners in that sense. They're not winners. When you get behind closed doors, they're a nightmare for you as an athletic director. Uh -huh. And you have a very difficult decision to make um, at that, at that time. And so I'm talking to these business leaders and their pain point is these people. And you guess what they say about him? This guy is my top guy. He is brilliant. He does amazing work. And I said, well, what's the problem? He won't, he won't modify. He won't change. He won't take instruction. He won't adopt our core values. He just literally just ain't doing it. Huh. So you got to figure that out. And uh, so when you have that kind of person, you have to decide whether I'm going to confront um, and maybe remove or not. Hey, I don't know if you guys are baseball guys, and I'm not a big baseball guy, but who is, who is described – well, let me say <laughs> – I can't. I, I, don't, I don't 
one of the best baseball players in the country, right, used to be on the Washington Nationals. Remember his name? What's his name? Best baseball player that was removed from the Washington Nationals. His name was Bryce Harper. Okay? Some people said he was the best baseball player around. He making, you know, signed the contract for $300 million, right, to go to Philadelphia. So guess what? Everybody's saying, wow, the Washington Nationals, great team, great team, great team, great team, great players, great talent. They didn't win the they didn't win the World Series. When did they re- win the World Series? When they removed the best player, hungry, worked hard, great player, smart, people <clears throat> loved him outside of the clubhouse. Was he humble? I, I don't know if he was really beaten to the drum that the, that the managers in. They remove him. People are like, oh, my gosh, remove the best guy ever. Guess what? The Nationals win the World Series the year after the best player, some would say, the best player in the country is removed. Mm. So I'm talking a lot. I better pause a minute here. <laughs> Do you think what we're talking about right now, is that what separates good from great leaders? I think so. I really think so. When you follow online, sometimes you see now it's real, it's a little more clear because of so much social media and TV coverage of colleges. Sometimes you see a college coach bench a top player or remove a top player. Why? Because he is not good for that culture. And we've all heard the phrase, one bad apple spoils a whole bunch. And it is true. That is a truism that one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. And for a, for a, let's get down to the coach level, right? You have this one negative person, but he's your best hitter. He's your best player. He's scoring the most touchdowns. And that coach is coming to you in the office going, what do I do with this athlete? And you're both going like, oh my gosh, this is the big game we're playing this week. Or, uh, you know, he got in a bunch of trouble, but he is the guy who's going to score five touchdowns or throw five touchdowns. Or he's the All-American that's going blah, blah, blah. And you're going, he is what John Gordon calls an energy vampire. Uh He is an energy vampire. He is sucking the life out of everybody. And and they're just afraid to make that decision. And thankfully the Washington nationals ownership was not afraid to make that decision. Uh, Bryce Harper was removed and you see college coaches removing people and an athletic director. I'm sure you're dealing with that from a coach level and an athletic director and an athlete level. Can I uh, jump in? Yeah. Do you you lose me Todd and and Scott? So I'm going to throw a follow-up in there quick. Um, you, you talked earlier about the, you know, the, the proclamation coming from above versus that horizontal, what I always call that horizontal accountability. I'm just a huge believer in that horizontal accountability. Um, this is an area I'm a big fan of that horizontal accountability. When, when I feel like when you built the right culture, um, your culture is oftentimes confronting and recognizing and taking on the negativity because your the, the peers are putting pressure on that. 
what are your thoughts on that or, or ways that maybe we as leaders can, can try to foster that, that horizontal accountability where maybe it's our, our, our organization is, t- is taking care of that most of it before it even gets to our level as a leader, if that, makes, if that question makes sense. Yeah, it requires strong peer-to-peer leadership is what you're talking about and, and, and them uh, being willing to confront that. And a lot of that comes down to uh, relationship, strength of relationship, and the strength of a relationship comes down to care, which is kind of could tie into some of the excellence and love and accountability, which we'll talk about later. But when somebody knows that you really uh, you have a relationship with them, you spent time with them, you care about them, they know that this is going to come from the right place. Uh, and that's important. And um, one of the things I've learned uh, through three-dimensional coaching, 3D coaching, have you guys interacted with that at all? Have you had somebody on to speak about that? Yes. Yeah, we had Wes Oh, yeah, Wes Simmons. Okay, yeah. So, you know, we talk about the coach says, and then we talk about, peer to peer. And even, 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 you know, as a wrestling coach, I love to have my athletes teach a skill to their teammates, right? Because they're, they're hearing it in their own verbiage, in their own way. And, and they're going to get across and, and you guys know, as athletic directors, you, you learn more by teaching versus by listening. And so your athletes are learning. So that's kind of the peer to peer thing there. But I, I, um, I agree with you, Aaron, that the, the peer-to-peer model is, is huge. It's, it's scary, so there's probably got to be a couple peers together that are coming together to, um, to confront. Thank you. Yeah. I think the other thing, too, uh, before you confront is, is the willingness to ask, where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? Why, why are you always backlashing at the coach? You know, the coach just says every time he says something to you, you're, you got an attitude, right? And so the question I would ask is, Hey, what's going on at home? What's going on at home? And when you find out what's going on at home, well, my mom just got diagnosed with cancer and she doesn't want to tell anybody. So we're all stressing out. Uh, my grandma is really sick and she's far away and we don't have enough money to get to see grandma. Or you find out what's going on and now you realize this isn't really who this person is. This person is responding out of what's going on. I always, I like the phrase, Hurt people, hurt people. I don't know if you ever heard that phrase. But being a father of four daughters, I always like to say, if if your daughter can survive the middle school lunch table, she'll make it in life. Why? Because my daughters would come home crying on the bus. What happened? You don't believe what Sally said to me at the lunch table. And girls are great at slicing and dicing with words, and they will rip another girl up at the middle school lunch table. Boys, what do we do? We're all men on here. We punch each other, and then we're friends after that. We punch each other at lunch, and after school we're playing football and we're moving on, right? So we just have a different way of dealing with it. So 
I tell my daughters, why are these girls saying this this way? Because they're hurting. They don't feel good about themselves, their self-image or whatever. So hurt people hurt people. And that's what happens sometimes with our athletes or even our coaches. They're hurting. Something's going on inside of them that's hurting. And therefore, they're hurting other people with their words. And it's up to us to dig a little bit deeper. That's what a positive leader is going to do is go a little bit deeper. It's great. Good stuff. Yeah. Um. Next question. Uh, so obviously we're in a critical time in our country right now where we need to be leading with excellence, love, and accountability. How can the power of positive leadership model help us do that right now? And how can we truly focus on that as leaders? Yeah, I think the power of positive leadership uh, model, going back to what I said earlier, talks about culture, right? We're all trying to have this culture, this culture of inclusivity, this culture of of caring for one another. And that's what a positive leader is going to do. And you can learn to apply it in those ways. Um, One of the the examples uh, that we talk about in there is we often hear of uh, coaches saying tough love, you know, I got to, it's got to be tough love. Right. And uh, John Gordon in the power of positive leadership, we'd like to talk about love tough, love tough. So we're going to lead with love and finish with tough, not start with tough and end with love. Okay. So what does this look like? So an athlete that I've been working with, uh, he knows the certain expectations that I have of he and I and meeting together and my expectations. And what's a, uh, a valid excuse and what is a not a valid excuse? So he calls me and says, hey, coach, I'm not going to be able to make it. I got this and this and this. All excuses that he knows are not valid excuses. I said, you, you signed up for this. You committed to this and now you're not going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. I said, to him, I said, do you know that, that I love you? And he said, yeah, coach, I know you love me. I said, why, why do you know that? Well, coach, you're giving me your time and you're talking to me and you're honest to me and you care about me. You're right. I love you. Now I want to, I got to, I want to do some, have you heard of tough love? Yeah. Every kid's heard of tough love. I want to be love tough. What do you mean coach? What I mean is, you know, that I love you. I've told you that. I've demonstrated it. I love you. Now I need to be tough on you. Okay. What you're deciding to do is wrong. And you are creating excuses that are distant than we we agreed on. Okay. So I've got to um, demonstrate love tough. And uh, it's because I care about you that now I'm going to be uh, tough on you. So that's one of the things as far as uh, uh, of love. And I think, uh, I think as far as accountability, um, we're, we're, we're afraid to keep people accountable. And that's part of what tough love is. But I think we need to always, you know, my, my daughter's sometimes like, Dad, my, my, coach is, my coach is so mean. My coach is so mean. I'm like, what do you mean your coach is so mean, you know? Well, she made us run and do this and that. And I said, that's not mean, okay? You need to understand the difference between demanding and demeaning. Okay. Demanding is high expectations and pushing your athletes and making sure they're mentally and physically tough. That's demanding. That's what your coaches are expecting of you. You don't need to cry and whine over that. 
if your coach is cutting you down with their words and saying your however they're whatever they're saying to cut you down with their words, that's demeaning. That's unacceptable. Okay, um, and and that needs to be and that needs to be uh, dealt with. In all my years of being a coach for thirty five years, dealing with lots of parents, I didn't want to be that parent, right? And that's always hard. Um, and I think of only two times when I confronted a coach uh, in all my years, and I wanted to confront a hundred times uh, based on my experience and things that I that I know. But one of mine was when a coach was very demeaning in front of the whole group. He told my daughter, you're never going to make it in college and you're never going to play in college. And that just sucked the life out of her. Why did you need to say that? Why did you need to say that publicly? You know? And she went on and played in college volleyball. Um, and so you didn't need to say that, you know, but it ripped, it, it broke their relationship, whatever. Um, a lot of different ways to say that, but we are in a critical time and I think, um, uh, we need to listen. We need to listen. Well, um, when we talk about a critical time in our country, um, uh, let's just, let's just. Can I just dive into racism for a second here? It's the real deal, right? We're dealing with it. I, uh, uh, you know, I, I, as I told you guys, I live um, near Montgomery County, Maryland. There's a hundred, there's a million people in Montgomery County, uh, 160 different languages spoken in the schools. Um, the school website's in seven different languages. Um, there's people from all nations uh, living right here outside of Washington, D.C. And I asked some of my uh, uh, black brothers and sisters, you know, I, what can I do? Like, I want to do something. Like, what can I do? I'm not going to post something on social media. Okay, so I'm not, that's not going. That's not what I'm going to do. That doesn't mean anything to me. And uh, one guy said, "Here's what you can do. Number one is listen. Okay. Number one is you need to listen. Number two is you need to learn. As you listen, you will learn. You need to learn. Third thing you need to do." is lament. You need to have some, some compassion, some empathy for really what is going on um, here and not turn away from it. The fourth thing you need to do is leverage. Leverage. Listen, learn, lament, leverage. And the fifth one is love. You know, love one another. Do unto others as you would want them to do to you. Uh, love one another. So, I've just been trying to do that. I've been trying to listen. Uh, uh, my family just got a book we're going to read. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that, that's what I'm trying to do right now. And we, we all need to have our ears and uh, ears open and listen. Martin, yeah. Oops, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Scott. I was just going to ask the next question. Do you have something that you... Um. No, it was, it was good. Said so it was in on a session yesterday with uh, with Joe Ammon and the uh, um, the Inside Out Initiative. And, yeah, Joe Ammon, he's great. He uh, lives in Baltimore, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, he was. Uh, is. Yeah. Um, and just you're just talking about the listening part and and and, and going through the, the lament and leverage and love. And I, one of the most important, one of the key takeaways. There were so many takeaways, but these from a couple of coaches, um, actually from out east. Uh, and they just, they were talking about 
we've all got all these different experiences and we can't put our, we, we talk about having empathy and trying to put ourselves in other people's shoes and, and try to understand. And that's difficult, uh, especially um, for, for us in the, in the majority uh, as white males and things like that sometimes. But um, and I think this goes along with that whole question you're just talking about there. But the one thing we all have in common is we, we all, we've all experienced the emotions. We've all felt frustration. We've all felt anger. We've all felt disappointment. We've all felt all these things. And while we may not be able to relate um, when you're talking about you know, the tough love piece, we, you may not be in a position as a teammate or as a coach to relate specifically to their situation, but we can relate to the emotion they're feeling. And that's a great starting place. Is, look, I've been disappointed. I've been angry. I've been frustrated before. And while I may not be able to relate to your individual situation, I know it's, it's, it sucks to feel disappointed and hurt and, and, and downtrodden. And, and I think that's a great place to start. I appreciate the, you saying those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My pleasure. So Mark, I, many want to label the positive leadership model of positivity and optimism as soft um, as ignoring the tough stuff in our world rose-colored glasses, if you will. What is your response to that argument against this, sty- that's this style of leadership? Is, is, can you, I'm sorry, I didn't. Just, just people, people would label, you know, this as soft coaching or soft leadership. Yeah. How, would you, how would you respond to that? Yeah, no, I, I'm, it's not about being soft. Being positive is not about being soft. Uh, it's, you can be demanding. You can be incredibly uh, demanding, but you – you look around at some of the the coaches that are uh, our role model. A lot of our role model is Dabo Sweeney, right? Okay, he's won a few games. He's won a few football games. Okay, he is very demanding. He has very high expectations, and yet he's a very positive leader. Um, even even losing in the national championship, he was he was he was positive uh, during that. So it's it's not about. Uh, it's not about being soft. Mm-hmm. Be hard. Be demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, have high expectations. Push your guys. Um, push your guys, but let them know that you care about them. If your athletes knew that you cared about them, they would actually run through a brick wall because they know that my coach really cares about me. Uh, <clears throat> Um, I don't know if you're, you guys said you had Wes Simmons on and he talked about being a three-dimensional coach and that whole thing was written by Dr. Jeff Duke who coached for 18 years with Bobby Bowden and his son is now a football coach in Florida and took over a god-awful team (coughs) and they were second in the state last year. Um, And he is a very uh, demanding coach, but he lets his guys know that he loves them. Yeah, I, we, we work with the 3D um, model here at Centennial, so very familiar. Oh, that's great. And uh, <laughs> something you said before is, is something that we really always talk about is sometimes loving your kids and being vulnerable and telling them that you care about them and, and doing those things, that's the toughest, the toughest way to coach. So I do appreciate your comments on that. It's that uh, being positive and, and telling the kids you love and care about them isn't necessarily the easiest way to be a coach. Sometimes it's easier to be that coach who blocks everything out and might be successful and might have a winning record, but maybe doesn't have that positive impact on kids that he could if he just uh, kind of kind of developed that 3D model of coaching. 
Yeah, I like how you said that, Scott. I never heard it said that way. That I think it today for some of the old school coaches, it's tougher than for them to say, "I care about you, I love you, you, you mean a lot to me," because it really is in their heart, but they're not used to saying it. Yep. Um, that's probably tougher than quote being what we normally would call tough of, right. you know, uh, really getting after the guys. Um, yeah. Well. Like, we had a we had a former student athlete of mine on here. And that was I think early when we started this. And Nick Easley's playing for the Buffalo Bills. And one of the things he really talked about, and I know that we all, I mean, I I think all of it kind of had an impact on all of us. But he said, when a, I knew a coach cared about me and loved me, they could coach me harder than somebody that I did not have a good relationship with. And I think that's I agree with that. Yeah. So I think that all speaks to whether it's tough love or love tough. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. That's great. So, uh, moving into our two questions, we ask all our guests, uh, on the show, Mark. Um, first of them is if you could, and obviously you've just, you've got a great experiences and, and, and opportunities you've had to be involved with great people. So you've learned a lot along the way. If you could go back and talk to a young Mark Stevens way back at the beginning of all this, mm-hmm. knowing what you know now, yeah. through all your experiences and trials and tribulations, what would you go back and tell a young Mark Stevens um, as, as a, using that experience now to, to, to maybe get Mark off to a better start? Yeah. A couple of things. Number one is uh, kind of ties back into the power of moments. Enjoy the moment. I mean, look, I, I just blink and it's, wow, 35 years I've coached. It's over. You know, it's, I'm, I'm not coaching my kids anymore. I, I'm in a position of leadership with work. I'm not able to coach anymore. And uh, I love coaching. And so enjoy the moment because you don't know how many, how much longer you're going to have the coach. So number one, as I would say, enjoy the moment. Uh, number two is be thankful. Be thankful for the opportunity. Um uh, uh, that you have. Number three, um, include your family as much as you can. I think some coaches do, a, you know, you see it now more, the family running onto the field and uh, you hear Tony Junji had toys in his office and, and the, the coaches could bring their kids to practice on Wednesdays and things like that. Include, uh, include the family. I tried to do that a little bit. But I'll never forget the first year I won the county championship. You worked so hard. It was my first year at my alma mater. I won the prize, the, the trophy. And my wife it was home with an infant and in in, in our second one. And I walk in the door and I say, honey, look at this. Worked so hard. I, we got the trophy. We were champions. And she goes, um, can the champ come over here and change the diaper? <laughs> Boom. Reality set back in. So, you know, just really include the, the family. Um, and the last two things is make it fun. Make it fun. Um, you know, wrestling is a sport that nobody really describes as fun, right? You just grind it out and especially, you know, the Iowa style of grinding it out and, and the brands and what they're doing and Dan Gable. But Kale Sanderson, what? Eight out of the last nine national tournaments, nine out of ten. I'm not sure. I lost count. Um, He's winning, and his people say wrestling is fun. Now, what the heck is going on with that? 
make it fun, figure out how to make it fun. Uh, and, and I think there's ways to do it. And he's figured it out at the highest level, make it fun. Most coaches don't take the time to think through their practice drills and skills to make it fun. And finally, probably most importantly is if I would go back and talk to the Mark Stevens from years ago, I would say, focus more on the person than the prize. Focus more on the person than the prize. When you focus on the person, the prize may or may not come, but when it's all over, you know, I want to be the coach and I have, I can say that in some ways I have been that my athletes are, are calling me saying, Hey coach, will you, will you officiate our wedding or coach? Will you attend our wedding or whatever? And I, I want to be that coach that cared about the person more than the prize because we have a relationship. Well, here's our second question, Mark. What is your why? What gets you going when your feet hit the floor in the morning? Yeah, I, uh, number one is my faith. Uh, my faith drives me of uh, what I what I do, what I believe in, and uh, I believe uh, that uh, my faith shows in my leader. Uh, Jesus was a servant leader, and the second thing that drives me is serving others. That's my tagline when I sign my emails. Uh, is here to serve. I love serving people. Um, I don't care what level they're at, whether they're above me or below me, or young or old serving others, and I love getting better. My faith, serving others, and getting better. I'm not, I'm not settled in. I haven't arrived yet. I want to get better in many areas of life, and I'm always striving to get better. Those things kind of drive my – those are my whys. Thank you. Good stuff. A lot of great nuggets today. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, Todd, you got any follow-ups here before we jump into some closing thoughts? And Well, I was just going to maybe thank Mark and give him a break. We'll let him uh, maybe sign off so he can grab a sandwich quick before his next meeting. Uh, Mark, we just – this has been great, and I know our, our listeners will, will take a lot from this. We have a lot of notes on it as well, but uh, we just appreciate you taking the time. Um, if it's one of the thing, positive things that's happened through COVID and all this, we've been able to connect with some great people, and you're one of them. Uh, thank you. You know, your friend, Dr. Jared Spencer, um, you know, he was with us too. And, yes. Um, you know, so we've just been blessed to be able to connect with people like you, and you've shared so much with us. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best. Um, we'll be following up, getting your address, because you'll be getting a Beyond the Bench t-shirt in the mail. Very right. soon from Scott Jarvis. So wear that with pride. Take a picture and we'll put it back on our social media. So uh, anyway, it's just been been great to have you and appreciate the time you've taken to spend Thank with you. us today. Yeah, please tag me in your social media. You can tag John uh, too. He's John Gordon, J-O-N Gordon 11. Um, and again, you guys can reach me at uh, coachmarkstevens.com. And we've gone all we've gone virtual now, so I could get on a Zoom call with all of your coaches and do a three four hour workshop over two days, uh, or multiple days, or work with your captains or, or whatever. We're we're here to serve. So, um, but really appreciate you guys uh, squeezing me in. It's been it's been an honor, and I'm grateful. 
Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Take care. Mark, thanks. Thanks so much. And uh, like I said, we'll let you check out and take a little break, uh, break before you've got uh, Zoom meeting number three or four of the day already today. Uh, I think five. <laughs> See you guys. All right. Stay thanks, bye. Mark. Boy, uh, Todd, just really great stuff there. Um, and, you know, he just hit on so many different areas, I guess, that are, are just so key for us and so pivotal for us to just keep in mind as we uh, begin to have more contact with our kids and our coaches and re-engage um, uh, moving forward here, I guess. Just great things to just keep in mind as we go forward. It was. It was great reminders. Um, you know, I just – I just – I'm going to be stuck. I That – his talk about the moment, uh, yeah. making sure – I mean, that's just another level of thinking. I mean, we – because it just we focus on our moments and being in the moment. And instead, it's like turning that – making that coach's moment or that player's moment, that parent moment, um, that's going to stick with me for a long, long time. Well, there's, there's two sides of that for me. There's the intentionality side you're talking about there when you know you've got a, a, a coach has a milestone coming up or you've got the, the end of the year banquet. Again, those milestone moments he talked about. Um, the other side of that conversation that stuck with me is kind of those, you know, he, he talked about the, the, uh, I want to get the way he said it. Um, the uh, the unplanned, I guess, the, you know, the out of the blue moments that just kind of just suddenly hit you. Um, I think that's one of my big struggle areas. Uh, I might have a lot of stress or a lot of pressure or tension, a lot of things, a lot of balls in the air that I'm juggling, and then something hits me that I wasn't expecting, wasn't ready for, and and what's my response to that in that moment? Um, it's not the moment I was looking for, the moment I want to deal with right now, but it's a moment for the person who came to me, the parent, the coach, the kid that came to me to talk about something. Um, and they had to, uh, they had to plan for and be ready for that moment when they came to me and I wasn't ready for it and I didn't handle it well. And what did that do to the relationship? What did that do to um, future interactions with them? So that was the other half of that moment conversation that really stuck with me. Yeah, I think that kind of ties into when he was talking about you got somebody, a coach or a, a player, a student who's acting out. And instead of just reacting and say, why are you acting like this? You know, this isn't how we behave. This isn't our value. Taking a breath and finding out why, why, what's happening in your life that's causing you to do this. Hurt people hurt people. And we need to find out why they're hurt. Too often times we just want to go and punish and demand that they change. Uh, to what we want them to be instead of really seeing where they're at. Yeah. And that's, that's going to be so critical for us. Like I said, as we start to re-engage, yeah. um, it was me one thing just from being the COVID uh, standpoint, but now you start to throw um, the race relations and everything going on with, with, uh, with the protesting and, and movement for equality, um, a serious movement for equality. And we're going to have, we have kids and coaches coming back to us in very different places with very different experiences and different levels of frustration and empathy and, and how we manage those moments as a leader will dictate a lot in terms of what, what's our conversation look like moving forward um, so that we can um, move forward together as a group um, versus reacting out of frustration or anger or disappointment or lack of understanding. So 
Which leads you to your closing thought. To my closing thought on the day, actually, um, on that. And I really appreciate all the things Mark was talking about. And, and, and for me, it fed back into one of, early on in this whole thing, I, um, I'd come across Brian Kite and, and Tim Kite a while ago, but started spending a lot of time listening to them. And their big, one of the big pushes you'll hear them talk about is E plus R equals O. Uh, and that's the event plus our response to the event is going to equal the outcome um, attained from that event, either positive or negative. And I really, that for me has been a very simple thing for me to think, uh, think about and focus on uh, through this whole thing is E plus R equals O. There's a lot of uh, uncontrollable things happening um, right now. Uh, and a lot of different events going on and coming at us from very different angles. And we have to respond to those and we have to be intentional and focus uh, on our response right now. If we're going to get the outcome we're looking for a positive moving forward outcome, it doesn't mean every outcome is going to be what we're looking for uh, or the way we want it to go. Um, but if, if we have to be intentional about our response and, and, and from Mark's standpoint, we have to take a moment and, and approach from a positive uh, optimistic approach. One of, yeah, we got high standards and high, and high levels of excellence we demand here, but we're going to start with love first. We're going to start with care first uh, and build those relationships. And then our response can help us get to the outcome we're looking for. Um, and so that was one of my big things I was thinking about as we were preparing for today is, is uh, as leaders, we're trying to create the most positive outcomes and experiences we possibly can. How are we managing our response um, to all the things coming at us right now? and that are going to come at us in the next several months uh, as we re-engage. And we have to be mindful of our response. Uh, his um, discipline moment that came out today from Tim Kite uh, listed several, um, I think there was 19 things yeah. to think about with yeah. E plus R equals O. And, and one of them was to take a breath, take a moment when something happens and just take a second and think about your response, be intentional about your response before you lash out or react. Um, and I think we, we find that tough as AD sometimes, but we need, to we need to teach ourselves to pause, take a breath, think about what we want our outcome to be with what just hit us, and then respond in a way that helps us get there. So um, I think that fits well into what Mark was talking about, especially the moments piece. Um, when those moments come, what's our response? Um, right. It dictates the outcome. So yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of events that have happened and a lot of events that will happen that we just aren't, we're not going to agree with them. Um, not going to agree with them all. We're going to be on different sides of the fence or not understand it probably is more why we don't agree with it. Maybe if we understand it, I think that's the thing we need to work on more than anything is trying to understand and ask questions. But um, yeah, that's, that's good. Our response in the next few months, next few days. <laughs> is going to be critical. And, and I think Mark's model, he was, and, and John Gordon's model, this, this positive leadership model is, is, can be a huge tool for us in crafting our response, um, right. especially our intentional responses. And then it can become the, the, the operational um, mindset that we operate from so that, the, that when the unexpected comes, we just automatically roll into this positive model, okay, Let's be optimistic and let's approach this from a positive way rather than from a negative whining what was me standpoint. So great stuff today. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Well, again, I want to thank Mark and uh, we will have all of his information up on our, our website and I'll make sure I share that out in the show notes. So you can go to the 
the website, see the notes that we've taken, uh, find out more about Mark. But again, you connect with Mark at coachmarkstevens.com and uh, on Twitter at Coach MK Stevens. And Stevens is S T E P H E N S. So thank you to Mark. Aaron, thanks for taking the time out of your day. And uh, Scott as well for taking the time being with us. He had to run out as well. I want to thank our our sponsors, Hometown Ticketing, Gipper, and Varsity Bound for all their support. And uh, we will talk to you in a week. Um, we're going to have a good show next week, Aaron. Um, and, and hit some deep talk. Have we got that ironed out? Do you want to mention that? Yeah, we do. We're uh, um, working on that, but we're gonna we're gonna dive into you know what's going on from a, a race relations standpoint and a, and a diversity and equity standpoint. And we're gonna have two great guests on, uh, and uh, one of them is gonna be uh, uh, Terrence Hall, who is a, a former student here at Kennedy, um, graduated, went to Co College here, played football, but he's just got a great story. Todd, you had a chance to meet him last fall at our leadership retreat. Um, great story from coming out of Chicago to moving to to Iowa and, and being thrust into a very different uh, cultural situation than he had grown up in and, and, and how he managed that. And, and then um, we're also going to have uh, Iron Beeman on who was on that, that uh, conversation yesterday with, with Joe Ehrman and the Inside Out Initiative uh, in terms of creating a race narrative. And he just had some really powerful messages and comments in, in, in terms of uh, how we take this on in the athletic realm. And really was inspired by him and, and talked with him yesterday, and he wants to join us as well. So bringing two great guests to maybe get us le leading down the path of how do we engage in this conversation and, and use our athletic programs as, as a proper platform to uh, improve, um, I, I think, just relationships in general uh -huh. uh, and, and become more inclusive and make sure when we talk about things like every athlete, we mean every athlete. Yeah. And what are our blind spots and things like that. So it's a, they're tough conversations, but it'd be a great kickoff into that next week. Yeah, very good. Thank you. And uh, we'll look forward to that. So everyone have a great week. And uh, to all of our Iowa brothers and sisters out there in the AD world, uh, good luck on Monday as we kick off a shortened season, but one that will be very eventful, uh, hopefully in a good way, but we'll be, uh, have some different uh, things for us. But good luck as you start your seasons and get going hosting events. So in the meantime, we'll talk to you next week. Be blessed.